This is a compilation of conversations between Kieran Otto and Edward Hazel. You're listening to a conversation about money with Kieran Otto and Edward Hazel. What are those guys doing? They've got that guy's got a guitar on his back and what looks like a fireplace and a inside of a drum of a washing machine. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to this week's <laughs> podcast. Um, you, we were just talking about Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week. Um, both of us have been thinking a lot about how to be more financially independent, and I'm sure there's stacks of other people there who are in the same boat as us. I think something like seven million South Africans, seven million South Africans actively looking for work at the moment. Seven million, that's more than 10%. We've got like 69 million people in South Africa. So that's excluding the people who are not actively looking for work. Those are just people who are actively looking for work, not people who don't have jobs. That's a bit staggering. And so, I mean, I I don't want to put on my podcast voice. I'm just going to talk like myself. Okay. Um, yeah, I think stop there. Yeah. Uh, and we're parked. So, like, I think a big thing for me is is the desire to have freedom. Like, physical freedom mm-hmm. to be able to, to work pretty much when I want to. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like feeling like uh, what I do is not good enough because of what someone has said to me as opposed to how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of responsibility and like with great responsibility, with, with great power comes great responsibility and just sort of, you know, like when... When you have to do something, if it doesn't get done the right way, I'm the only one who's going to bear the consequence of that. I, I prefer that. I like that. Mm, mm. Um, as opposed to jumping through hoops for other people, doing silly things that I sometimes don't think are of value, or I know are not of value. Yeah. I really struggle with that. So, if, I mean, if, if, I, if I look at myself, I can look back in the past at what, is, what has earned me money. Mm. Um, I have actually earned money by doing podcasts before, mm. um, and IT yeah, work, okay. and sound engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm thinking about how I could create. Yeah, let's say a podcast. I feel like a podcast is a good way to go. It's something I like to do. I like to have conversations with people, um, mm. and in that, I think is great. The great, a great potential to share knowledge with people. If I can, f- I meet people all the time who are business owners or creatives, people who are excellent in their field. Mm. And to share that excellence, to learn from their habitual way of being, yeah. I think is a profoundly positive thing to tap into and a profoundly sort of effective way of going about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree 100%, 100%. I think um, there's so much to learn from other people. And the best way to grow what you've learned is to teach it, share it with others. Mm. Um, I also, one of the ideas that I came across was um, from from that book, uh, The 4-Hour Work yeah. Week, was it's, uh, it's called The... Pre-do, pre-do principle 
Predo law. It's like Predo. Predo. I think it's Predo. Not Perito. Perito. Could be Perito. Pareto. Um, <laughs> so um, it's an 80 20 rule or yeah. law. So 80% of the resources is accumulated by 20% of the population. But it can be applied to any other field. So let's say um, 80% of the, um, uh, let's say, a value can be uh, harvested by 20% of the um, the work you do. So um, like one of the ideas, one of the examples that, uh, that I heard about from the author was that he was trying to extract information from clients like um uh well not just information but also sales like he was doing sales and then um he'd uh, like he'd work like flat out like um 12 hour days um yeah. per week and uh and he'd only get like a minuscule um value out of it like uh return um like monetary return mm. And then what he did, what he decided to follow this rule. So he cut out um, all the clients that were wasting his time and not giving him any sales or any value. And he kept the small fee. I think it was only two um, major clients out of all of them that actually accounted for over 80%, like 90% of his sales. Wow. So he just focused on just those clients. And the ones wow. that were like wasting his time, he actually gave them a choice you know either they um improve their um their relationship or their um communication with him so they don't be rude or waste his time or don't do what like don't follow up on the things that he asked him that 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 he needs from them in order to complete the sale so they either do that or they or that they find someone else so he said uh, of, of those two like the biggest the ones who were contributing the most to the inefficiency they one of them changed their um, attitude and the other one left and found someone else mm. so that means that he tripled his income and he cut his um time his uh um, what do you call it um his the, the wastefulness of time by mm. i think a factor of eight jeepers <laughs> so yeah. that was because he was applying the rule and he said it can be applied to anything in life it doesn't have to be just finances it can be to do with um training or learning you know if you cut down all the things that are detracting from your learning and you just focus on things that contribute the most to your learning it can dramatically improve it. So it's like that. That was one of the principles that I discovered. Let me let me just go go get that. See if I got that straight. So he had he had like a handful of clients, like ten clients. Yeah, I'd say at least ten clients. Okay, let's see. Remember so he had number. ten clients, and two of them were were giving him eighty percent of his yeah. money. Yeah. So he said to the eight, like, listen, you guys either you give me real business and stop wasting my time or I'm going to say cheers. Mm. And of them, only one said, cool, yeah. we'll, 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 you know, well, we'll it pull up our It wasn't just like, it I think that um, there was ones that he, okay, so he did, he, I think he communicated with, with all of them, the yeah. ones that, that he needed to let them know what, what, um, what the deal was, you know, like yeah. how to improve it. And 
I think the ones that, yeah, I think out of the two that were the biggest kind of, um, uh, like the major clients, the yeah. Ma yeah, out of the two that were the the major clients who were um, reducing his efficiency. So they weren't necessarily major clients, so he could do without them. Because the ones that, so he first focused on w which of these clients was bringing in, bringing him the most work, the most money, right? Mm. And then focus on those and which ones were causing the most inefficiency. So they weren't, they weren't the ones that were bringing in the most money. They were the ones who were um, le like contributing to his um, inefficiency. Or in, in other words, he had to spend more energy and time than needed just to get a sale from them. And, and, the, and the sales that, that he got from them weren't part of the, the larger amount of money coming in it was a smaller fraction mm. the larger fraction were, were coming from the larger um or the largest clients so essentially the, the the amount of outlay of work and energy and time wow that's a cool looking train the amount of energy and time that he had to put in was very minimal yeah in comparison yeah so he was no longer outlaying and wasting time on clients that were not producing yes, anything basically that's it okay that sounds good yeah, and, and, and the, so the main example of that rule is that if you take the wealth of a society or of a community, generally 80% of all that wealth from the whole community is controlled or managed by 20% or produced by 20%. Okay. Um, and, and, and it doesn't have to be a strict 80-20. It can be 90-10 even. Mm. It doesn't have to be 80-20. In some cases, it is 90-10. Um, so, so you find that even throughout in, 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 in economics, you find that throughout the world that 20% um, uh, um, of the people or, or less earn more, uh, up to or more than 80% of the, of the wealth. wealth. And, 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 and I think there's a reason for that. I think Jordan Peterson goes into more detail with okay. how that works out. How the Pareto principle works. Yeah. You also said something at the end there about like how... He, he says that you should apply it to other areas of your life. Yes. What, so to tell me more about that. Um, so let's say, I mean, apart from like from my, from my understanding. So I gave the example of um, the example he gave practically that happened to him that he did. But he said that it can apply to study, let's say. So you have, you want to become very good at, let's say, learning an instrument. So you, you can... Um, learn from books you can learn from um, people who playing it already and get tips from them mm -hmm. um, but then of all the avenues or resources you have available to learn the instrument they're only going to be a small fraction of them that's actually going to produce the largest results so you have to figure out what those sources are whether it's a master that you can actually tutor with or, or whether it's a course that, that provides easy to understand and very valuable information that will save you so much more time. So it's how to reduce the time and effort required and produce the maximum results from that time. Nice. I think we're going to cut it there. Thank you very much for that little chat. We'll do another one of these. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that is... My name is Edward Hazel. And I'm... And, um, and um, yeah, we're just having a little conversation about the Pareto principle <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Have a lovely day and tune in again next time. Okay, so I, I took some notes. This is from chapter four. It says 99% of people in the world are convinced that they're incapable of achieving great things. So they aim for mediocre. The level of competition is fiercer for the realistic goals that are achievable and paradoxically making them the most time and energy consuming. Just read that again. Okay. The level of competition is fiercest for the realistic goals, mm. which paradoxically makes them the most time and energy consuming because there's highest competition. Okay, so let's say the average person decides they want to, they want to start a new business or they want to le- learn um, Interesting. or do a business uh, course. Let's That's say. fascinating. So, so let's say, <laughs> oh my so gosh, to okay. break it down, basically they're going to start at the most manageable level, at, as most people are, okay? But what he's saying is that at that level, the, because most people are doing it, there's the most competition there. And because there's the most competition, means that it requires the person to put in the most effort and the most time in order to compete with everyone else who's doing it at that level. So, what he's yeah. saying is that it's easier, for example, to raise $10 million than it is to raise $1 million. Oh, my word. Okay, so the reason why is because so if wild. the most competition is happening at the average level of the mm. average person, in order to reduce the competition, <laughs> you push your goals higher. Okay, you aim for the most, the, the largest, the biggest idea that you have, the most extravagant goal. You aim for that because that's where the least competition is. And the bigger the goal, the more motivation you have in achieving it. Um, It says here, um, an unreasonable and unrealistic goals are easier to achieve for yet another reason. Having an unusually large goal is an adrenaline infusion that provides the endurance to overcome the inevitable trials and tribulations that come along with any goal. So, yeah. so in other words, don't try not to aim for the average and mediocre because everyone else is doing it and it requires a tremendous amount of energy and input to overcome the competition because everyone else is doing mm. it. Aim for things that no one else is doing. Elon Musk. <laughs> I mean, like, this is, doesn't have to be just um, reserved for those geniuses. It can yeah. it reserved for the average person because it, it, it says here that... Um, uh, um, I think I, 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 yeah, it says that do not overestimate the competition and underestimate yourself. Okay, if you mm. are insecure, just remember that so is the rest of the world. Okay, and 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 that's a cue, it doesn't just mean that you can rest assured because you're not alone it means that because the rest of the world is also insecure they're doing pretty much the same things that you're going to do if you decide to start off on the most realistic goals guess what so are the rest 99 percent of other people and because of that there's a tremendously high level of competition there. Mm. so to get out of that level of competition do things that nobody else has the courage to do because this goes back to saying that um, 99% of people in the world are convinced that they're incapable of achieving great things, so they aim for mediocre. 
Mm. If that's 99%, that means 99% of, of everyone is going to be in that category. That's where all Aiming the most competition the, yeah, is. Yep, yep, yep. So, let me just leave <laughs> it there, just so that cool. we can ponder on that. So, yes. I just take these, the things that really jump out at me, I, re- I write them down to review them later. Cool. This, I just want to t- touch in on mm. that. For a second, the idea of writing down stuff when you when you're reading or you're learning, uh, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos by Ali Abdal. I don't know if you've heard of him. I think I might have. Yeah. Um, he's a doctor and a YouTuber, and uh, yeah, he reviews books and he creates YouTube videos. His the majority of his he well, this is something he says quite regularly. Is the majority of his income is coming now from YouTube videos and from courses. So teaching people how to do stuff. And mm. one of the things that he recommends is that when you learn something, mm. share it with other people because mm. it compounds the sort of the interest of learning yeah. uh, in your own mind. It, yeah. it, it solidifies what you've learned in your own mind. And also it simultaneously adds value to other people. Mm. So mm-hmm. you're, you're like opening yourself up to this sort of rolling stone win-win situation. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. a snowball effect where... Yeah you 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 grow and you grow and you grow and as you help other people to grow then other people start doing the same and yeah there's like a an arc effect what do you call it an exponential growth essentially parabolic growth (laughs) so yeah that's true so this was from chapter four of tim ferris's four-hour work week yes right okay cool yet again thank you very much for sharing it's nice to have a chitter chatter um yeah tune in again next week or next episode because <laughs> it could be soon um for more of this magic cheers we're going to end off with a little quote go for it um okay so this was from chapter three i think it says if we define risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest risk of all. If we define risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest risk of all. If we define risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest... Because you cannot reverse inaction. Yeah, I think it's a cost of um, ne- negativity, of negative outcome is greatest when you don't do anything at all because then you let the circumstances dictate the outcome and the mm. circumstances are never going to be in your favor because you have you, you decided not to have any control over them. Mm. Um, it's not about what you've done and not succeeded at. It's about what you haven't done and let the circumstances dictate the outcome that is greatest, that is the greatest risk. Can you give an example of that? So like, I choose not to make a podcast because I'm afraid of whatever. And instead of creating a bad podcast, I create no podcast at all. And that's the, the worst possible yeah. thing that yes. could happen is I've, I've not even tried. Yeah. I've, not, I've not created anything. Yes. Interesting. I feel like I'm challenging that in my head at this moment. Like, if you do something really bad, I suppose yeah, I mean, people can just choose not to listen to it then. And I think, 
I, I used this example the other day. You know the the guy from Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition. He said that he would rather go a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction because he instead of not going anywhere. Yeah. Because he will pick up that he's going the wrong direction very quickly and be like, oh crap, uh-huh. and then turn around and head back in the other direction, and then you'll be going a thousand miles an hour in the right direction. Yes. So instead of like two tutti footing around and trying to like make some perfect thing, mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm gonna go the wrong way, oh crap, it's the wrong way, or, let's go back. Or that he decides he's going to go, he's gonna pick a direction and go. Yeah. He doesn't know whether it's the right or wrong way, but he's going to find out. Yes, yeah, better to get going in yeah. some sense, because I think that's really the biggest problem for a lot of people is getting going. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something that I've definitely struggled with, which is intriguing in light of the fact that one of my dad, one of the things that my dad says, one of my dad's adages, if you will, mm-hmm. is um, don't, don't worry about getting it right, just get it going. Yes. And I mean, I feel like as a sort of a bit of a perfectionist in some senses, um, in some areas of my life, I struggle with that idea of producing something or putting something out there that is not exceptionally good. Yeah. Because of, you know, fear of commentary from the public or whatever. But it's actually true. Like, mm-hmm. often getting going, you're going to get feedback from people. People are going to be like, hey, bro, you shouldn't do that. Or, hey, that was really yeah. rad. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you've got something to work on. You've got, you can see your trajectory. You can... You, you're making progress. Yes. You're getting somewhere. Yes. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, in that that's something that um, Tony Robbins, I think, says. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to be happy, progress. Yeah. Progress is happiness. Yes. Being able to see that you're actually getting somewhere. And I, I think, what's that other guy's name? I saw one of his books on your bookshelf. Um, he's like a network marketing fundy. He's got gray hair. He's passed away now. Um but he, he, he wrote The Four Seasons of Life. Um, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, yes. Jim Rohn. Yeah. <laughs> He's got an interesting voice, that guy. But a lot of wisdom. Yeah. He shares a lot of very interesting stuff. And he also had a similar, similar sort of idea in terms of... Um, I don't know if it's actually a similar sort of idea in terms of like, don't worry about getting it right, just get it going. But he had a similar sort of idea, but it's mm-hmm. not surfacing mm-hmm. to the top of my mind at the moment. Mm. Um, anyway, we've now mentioned enough of... Other people's stuff. Um, yeah. Do you, have, do you want to just read that, that quote one last time? Okay. If we define risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest risk of all. Yeah. There's also an, uh, a few other ones. Another one is, the success of someone's life can be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. Oh, I like that. I like that. I really, really like that. That is very significant to me right now. I think that idea of of being able to step out into your uncomfort zone, if you will, mm-hmm. is is a powerful way to like to learn about yourself and to learn about other people. Because sometimes I know I have it where I think in my head that that's what the situation is and that's how the person's going to yeah, react. Yeah. And then you communicate about it and it's like you're met with love and joy and happiness yeah. and smiling faces as opposed to being met with like anger and frustration and disdain and taste, distastefulness. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I, I, w- I want to just... Um, okay. So with this quote about don't define yourself as, as the... If we define ourselves as the likelihood of an irreversible... 
define risk. If we define risk, Mm -hmm. if we define risk as the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, inaction is the greatest risk of all. What I what I get from that is is that essentially take action. Yes. Take action, Nike. Just do it. Wherever you are, just Just start. Start. Get going. Mm -hmm. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah. So I chuckle because you got that picture on your wall and your Here's another <laughs> one. Don't just me- measure the downside of action. It is equally important to measure the atrocious cost of inaction. That's basically summarizing this again it's in a sense. Yeah. It's like it's reiterating the same idea. Don't you don't just look at how what bad things happen yeah. when you do something. Look at how bad it is when you do nothing. Because you've you you mentioned something oh. earlier about <laughs> oh, I feel that, that way about you my... have the fear of starting something mm. because you're worried about the 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 consequences of of of, of what you're going to start mm. and you build it up in your head. So what actually stops you is the fear that you've created from overthinking or using your imagination to extrapolate on something that hasn't even happened yet, and so you build it up through your imagination imagining and creating this whole outcome that you haven't even physically done yet in reality Mm. nothing has happened and then like you said when you do actually or you decide that you're going to actually do it you realize that the outcome most of the time is actually completely different to what you expected Mm. it actually has more positive than you thought was possible Yeah. yeah So it's actually our minds that get in the way mm. of progress. Mm. The, yeah. The fear that um, that stops us. There's this there's this girl Nicola um, Nicola Taylor. She's big into like Instagram and all the rest of it. Um, she said something to me the other day about choosing love. Are you choosing love or are you choosing fear? And I mean, it is a bit of like a airy kind of quality in a sense, but. I really, it's it's stuck with me. It's like, especially because I think a lot of the time I'm choosing to not do something or to do something out of fear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not out of love or or desire or whatever the the case is. Yeah. So that that idea of of are you choosing love or are you are you choosing love or fear? It's actually interesting because my sorry, I don't want yeah, to interrupt. Yeah, no, My interpretation of that is. What can you can look at it in a different way and interpret love as something about yourself. If you are kind to yourself, you'd want the best for yourself. So if um, you choose to do something and do something that's scary that you haven't done before, but you know that the potential of the outcome could be good for you, that you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, let me do this even though I'm afraid, but it might be good for me. That could be in a way out of love because you're caring for yourself. If you if you don't care for yourself or if you are constantly battling with yourself and you constantly berate yourself, the mm. likelihood of you actually doing something that could benefit yourself is much smaller. Very minimal. Yeah, yeah. very minimal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the way I interpret that. It doesn't, like love can mean so many things to to Mm. so many people, but it could just be in a simple way. It could be just looking out for yourself, caring for yourself in a way that you want your best for yourself. I think it was Jordan Peterson once said that treat yourself as if you are another person caring for yourself. 
So yeah. if you care for a loved one, be mm. it your family member, and you want the best for them, treat yourself the way you would treat them. Yeah, that's, if applied, that is the greatest wisdom. <laughs> Yo, when applied, maybe I should say, because I think I have been able to apply that yeah. sometimes. But the, I think my more default tendency has been to to the other side of that spectrum. Um, I don't know if you want to stop it now and then we can carry on later because I've got I was some just stuff. thinking of some other things. But uh, okay, no, if you want to raise them now, that's cool. Um, one of the things, uh, apart from the book that I've been following this four-hour work week, there's another one called um, The Seven Principles, I think, of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Seven Effective. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by yeah. Stephen Covey, yeah. So um, I, I can't remember which chapter I'm on now, but something that he said really resonated with me, and he was using an example um, to do with uh, Viktor Frankl. Okay. If you remember him, he was a famous um, doctor. Um, I think he was a doctor. Um, and then he was, um, he lived uh, in his early childhood. He was taken off to the concentration camps during Nazi um, regime. And because he, he, he was, came from a Jewish family, he was a Jew. So um, one of the things that he learned through his experiences and the atrocities that happened to him was that he started to apply his imagination to what happened to him. So even though the physical, um, uh, um, uh, the physical effects are on, on his body by his mm. captors, by his tormentors, um, they did physical things to him, but the, what they couldn't get to was, from, was in his mind. So mm. he learned that there is um, a response, there is um, an input, a stimulus, and there's response. And everyone experiences the same things. We experience input, and then we have a choice of how we're going to respond. So what he did was, is that no matter what happened to him, what happened to his physical body, what environment, what environment he found himself in, that the, what they couldn't take away was his free will, to exercise his imagination. So what he what he learned to do was extract himself from what was happening to him at that moment mm. and look at himself through the third person as if he was standing outside of his body looking at yeah. what was happening to him and then examining that. So even though something was happening to him at that moment, he could examine of what, what was happening and learn from it because he had experience in teaching. He was a teacher even before or just after this happened, I think, I can't remember what age he was, but, um, but what he started to use was how could we turn this into a lesson that could teach people? And he became an example to others, not only to his fellow prisoners, but also to the captors, his guards, that mm. they started to look up to him because he, he was an example. And even though the worst things happened to him, he was using those examples and turning them into something that was beneficial to himself. So anyway, to summarize it, basically, you get input. So something bad happens to you. Let's say you get mugged or somebody assails you and you get beaten up. Okay, so now you can choose what happens to you because there's input, there's stimulus, and then there's response. And between stimulus and response, there's a little gap called free will. And mm. that's where we decide what happens to us. 
there's um th- there's a quote that said um is that yeah. nobody can hurt you unless you choose to unless you accept that hurt so in other words you can l- look at Viktor Frankl and read about the the atrocities that happened to him and you can decide what will happen to you if you were him would you let those atrocities harm you because nothing can really harm you unless you let it harm you because the deeper wounds are not the physical ones but they're mm. the psychological ones oh yeah the ones that happen to your mind mm. and that's why we have free will because we can choose what happens to us so that was what i think was so important about this whole example was that every day we have the choice of what we want to do and it's not about the physical world it's about the mental the physical i mean the mental faculties that we yeah. have that is what's m- most important so we actually have control to a certain extent of what happens to us we don't have control about our physical bodies or our physical environment but we do have control over our mental faculties mm. and i think by investing in in what happens in the in those mental faculties it has the natural effect i think of precipitating an environment that is more conducive to what we are what we're harmonizing within our in our minds it's like you if you forecast an image of the beach in your mind every day imagining yourself on the beach every day it won't be long before you find yourself on the beach your subconscious works that way i mean mm-hmm. obviously depending on what kind of emotion you append to that experience um if it's a positive one or a negative one if you have a positive one then i would say you're going to end up on the beach eventually if you have the the freedom of movement to do so um because your subconscious just it works away at that it's like it sees the picture it feels the feeling mm-hmm. and it's like okay we need to make this happen this is obviously important yeah um and in the same light if you see the beach with a within a negative light it's probably going to keep you as far away from the beach as possible mm-hmm. It, it it's also why it it's re- really important to have with you creating in your home a mood board of where you want to be in your life what you want to feel what what yeah what you want to feel um you have that up in in a visual re- representation so Ooh, like, like images it. you put up and you actually look at that and and it reminds you it reinforces in your imagination where you're heading mm. because you've started Ooh, off like with it. a decision that you want to make this image board and and you want to do it for a reason you want to create a goal you want to create an image of where you want to be in your life and and if you create this image in your home you can go back and visit it every day and it reinforces that image so it's like where you how you want to live your lifestyle that you want to lead hmm. and that's really because that feeds your imagination it feeds that yep. that that free will where you decide that every day you're going to do a little things differently mm. and that's going to build upon the images that you've created the lifestyle you want to live it's i think it's the most creative power that we have at our disposal is mind power like fo- as you say focusing your mental faculties is like focusing a magnifying glass if you want to set fire to an idea in your mind focus on that thing mm. and <laughs> subconscious is Well, there's untold mysteries that lie beneath the surface But of the subconscious. So. If we had to go back to that previous conversation we had about um 99% of people, you know, not 99% of the world convinced that they're incapable of of achieving things, so they aim for mediocre. 
that's because it's your mind. You've decided whether it's through reinforcement of your family or your friends or whatever it is that you can only achieve mediocre. The result is you'll only achieve mediocre. But there's nothing stopping any person from achieving the greatest things. So that's why he said, aim for the biggest. Imagine mm. and dream the biggest dreams you've, you can capable of dreaming and go for that. Because the biggest, the, the dream, the more achievable, achievable it is. It, it seems parad a paradox. Yeah, it does seem. It, it, it seems a paradox. It seems that only the lowest, most achievable thing that you can think of Would be is, is the best route. But he said, no, think about the biggest one, the most unimaginably big dream that you think would never be possible in a million years. Dream about that mm. one. Don't think of the house, just like the average house in between. Think of the palace or the mansion. Or <laughs> Maybe that's a bad example in that context. But, but I mean, I, I think about it like, if you say, it, it, okay, the example he gave was that it, 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 it's more likely that people will be able to raise 10 million rand rather one than million. 1 million. Mm. It's because 10 million seems even more unbelievable. Yeah. But yet, if you get started on, on it, you're more likely to achieve it because it's something that, in, that can instill you with invigoration. It can instill you with passion. And, and confidence because you're mm. starting to, to achieve something that you thought would never be possible. Yeah. And that gives you an excitement that is more achievable than, than just something that everybody else is, is going about trying to do. No, it's something to think about. Yeah. So, I think we can take a break. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I feel like it's good to to leave some silence at the end of that. I think sometimes with a, with the podcast, when I listen to a podcast, if, if the podcast ends, it goes on to the next one and, or it stops and then I, I close and I interact with my mm -hmm. phone. Whereas if there's just a batch of silence to allow you to just process and digest for a bit. It's like we're in this world where, we, where we're so hell-bent on kind of control and segments and perfect and tidiness and doing what everyone else is doing. Like I'm sure there's systems and stuff, but I think that there is value in giving people a minute of silence to just process. So I'm going to do that to, to lead out. Um, thank you very much for listening. I enjoy your minute of reflection.
Okay, so we're going to just do a quick reflection. Uh, we were talking about how I got into podcasting and trying to just move forward with it. Mm. And Kieran has something interesting to share. Go for it. <laughs> I was just recalling something that I found going back in my emails from 2007. Okay. And you were st- <laughs> and it was a recording to um, audio bytes that you had sent me on email. Um, and I remember that... Uh, um, it was taking place uh, during Gramstown Festival at about 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we were standing outside with some young guys uh, who were helping with parking. You know, the guys who work on the street um, helping people park their cars or car guards or something. And you were just having this conversation with them. And all you had was your phone with you. And you just like <laughs> asked him, like, do you mind if we just have this chat? And you asked him some questions, what they're doing, what do they think about this or that, or what was happening at the time. And just those few snippets of recording, um, just, it made me think now, because I, I, when I thought back on that, it told me that you, you've been doing this, like, for, since you discovered this, this gift you have, you've been doing it every now and again. <laughs> You've been going for these um, interviews. You've decided you wanted to do it. And now I think that you've really proven to yourself that this is something, that you have a special gift. You have a, a unique skill. And you bring, you bring things of value. You share things of value for people. So I think definitely go for it. Like... Take this <laughs> thing on. I really, I think Thank you should you. do it. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Because you have the evidence going back from 2007 still. You're just a guy standing out in the street corner at 1, 1 a.m. in the morning and <laughs> just asking some guys on what their thoughts are. I like I like the fact that you bring up that example for a number of reasons, but the the one is it ties into the conversation that we had just now in the, when we were not recording, just about like not not worrying about who you speak to essentially, um, not not worrying, but just like basically acknowledging that everyone has something of of value to mm-hmm. share, mm-hmm. and you can gain and garner great insight. I mean, from speaking to Speaking to people from, I use the example of like from the CEO of Apple to the guy who's watching cars on the street in a town that you've never heard of. It's like everyone, everyone has something that could really touch your heart and, sh- and change the way you look at the world. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if it's something that gives you a new perspective on life, it's, it's of value, especially if it's a positive perspective, if it's something that, that helps to, I don't know, enrich your your daily experience cognitive yeah. technology i've heard it refer, referred to as mm-hmm. something like that cognitive mm-hmm. technologies mm-hmm. so it's not something that you have to physically carry with you like a smartphone or i don't know a pair of shoes which is also kind of technology um but a way of thinking um yeah. yeah i think that's the most valuable technology i think it's like the oldest trick in the book essentially is teaching is a trick i don't want to call it a trick but the oldest sort of occupation in history, yeah. I think, is like even when they were hunters, if there was someone hunting and someone was learning from them, they were teaching. Mm-hmm. So it's like the teacher is 
is the oldest it's occupation, like oldest history and occupation in history. I don't, yeah, anyone can challenge me on that. I don't, I won't give me another view on the situation. But at the moment, that's sort of how I perceive it. And I think that inspires me. And I think I've resisted that sort of idea of being a teacher. Because yeah. I don't always think that I've got, like, I'm smart enough or I'm in the position to to be teaching people. But I think you don't need to know, a, like, you don't have to have a degree or you know 500,000 rands of the study behind you to be able to teach someone how to do something like a 10 year old kid taught me how to ride a horse he hasn't got a degree and I can tell you he knew a hell of a lot more about riding horses than I did and I think it's just like that idea that acknowledging you only need to know a little bit more than someone else about something Mm. like to be able to teach them yeah and so the the bar of entry is quite low yeah. in that sense. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So there's a little bit about my journey into podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, this is yeah. This is my podcast, and I'm joined by Kieran Otto. Um, we're currently in the city of Cape Town in Lakeside. Hell yeah. Um, wonderful place. If you're ever in South Africa, if you're not from South Africa, come and check out Lakeside. It's a pretty place. Uh, go down to the beach in Musenberg. Um, maybe go down to Scarborough. I haven't been there recently, but it's on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you have any comments or thoughts, please feel free to visit my website edwardhazel.com e-d-w-a-r-d-h-a-z-e-l-l my dad always cracks the joke it makes an L of a difference extra L makes an L of a difference um, I also subsequently crack that joke <laughs> hashtag dad jokes what's happening um, anyway yeah. um, pop over to my website or contact me via telegram or I don't know find a way to contact me I'm, I'm on the internet um yeah yeah that's all for today and yeah uh do you have anything else that you'd like to share or say um before we disappear just uh thank you for tuning in and uh we will definitely have some more conversations to share soon cool yeah nice sweet that's a wrap thank you very much Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>